This is The Leaders We Need with Joel Harder, a podcast going beyond the politics and policies to focus on the people who lead in our communities, states, and nation. Conversations that restore the civility we need in our politics, while promoting the integrity we need in our leaders. The Leaders We Need with Joel Harder, a resource from Oklahoma Capital Culture. Well, welcome back to the Leaders We Need podcast. I am your host, Joel Harder. Today on the Leaders We Need, we're going to feature the first part of a roundtable conversation on race hosted by Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt. The conversation was organized by Oklahoma Capital Culture. In the midst of all the partisanship that grips our politics, there are leaders who are working to bring together diverse people and perspectives to have difficult conversations and find solutions to the real problems we are facing. These are the conversations that really move us forward, but they don't often get the press they deserve. Oklahoma Capital Culture works behind the scenes to organize, convene, and facilitate these conversations. And one of the goals of the Leaders We Need podcast is to bring these conversations to you. And I want to ask you to join us you can help raise and elevate the tone of political discourse and shape a culture of civility and servant leadership and integrity among policymakers. Begin by simply subscribing to the Leaders We Need podcast and leave a comment, share this episode. You can also visit our website and find out more about how you can partner with the work of Oklahoma Capital Culture. This roundtable conversation focuses specifically on economic development of black business, entrepreneurship, and enterprise, as well as challenges and opportunities faced by underserved communities where there has been significant disinvestment. The panel discussion is part of a series of conversations on race hosted by Governor Stitt and organized by Capital Culture. You're going to hear from Oklahoma State Senator Kevin Matthews. He's a Democrat representing Senate District 11, which includes downtown Tulsa, North Tulsa, and parts of West Tulsa. Joining him on the panel are Rose Washington, the CEO of Tulsa Economic Development Corporation and the immediate past chair of the Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City, Charity Marcus, the founder and CEO of Avenue Consulting and Avenue PR, Mariana Adams, the executive director of Progress OKC, and Wes Mitchell, who founded Digital Convergence Consulting after 35 years in corporate America at a large tech company. Both Charity Marcus and Wes Mitchell are on the Governor's Minority Business Council as well. In this first part of the panel discussion, you're going to hear the different perspectives from which the participants on the panel approach the work of developing black business and underserved communities And they're going to share the challenges leading to the economic disparity and the underlying issue of racism and the lack of legacy wealth, entrepreneurship, social capital. The second part of the roundtable conversation will be on the next episode of The Leaders We Need. On that episode, we're going to hear from the panel about opportunities that currently exist but may be better utilized, as well as new programs or initiatives that can make a difference and create needed change moving forward. Well, thank you again for joining us for The Leaders We Need. Let's get into the first part of a roundtable conversation on race, hosted by Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt. 
When Leaders Matter, How Civility, Integrity, and the Leaders We Need Are Possible by Dr. Joel W. Harder. Forward, written by Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt. And when Leaders Matter, Chaplain Joel Harder presents a three-step approach to engage leaders and restore the civility we need in our politics while promoting the integrity we need in our leaders. When that happens, leaders will be able to work and inspire our communities, states, and nation to address the real problems we are facing and navigate a way forward that will benefit all of us. When Leaders Matter, how civility, integrity, and the leaders we need are possible. Available now on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, and BarnesandNoble.com. Good evening, Oklahoma. Thank you for joining me as we continue to have important conversations on the topic of race in Oklahoma. You know, over the past few weeks, it's been on my heart to lean in, listen, and have conversations with leaders from our state to help move us forward together. Today's discussion will focus on economic development and the challenges faced by minority-owned businesses and those in underserved communities. Oklahoma is better when we work together, and I'm looking forward to hearing from tonight's panel about challenges, opportunities, and what we can put into action going forward. You know, before we get started, I wanted to introduce and thank our panelists for joining us today. Uh, we have Rose Washington. Uh, she is the CEO of the Tulsa Economic Development Corporation, which has helped thousands of small businesses with startup or expansion uh, over the last 30 years. She is also the immediate past chair of the Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City. So welcome. We have uh, my good friend, Senator uh, Kevin Matthews. Uh, he represents District 11, uh, which includes downtown Tulsa, North Tulsa, uh, parts of West Tulsa. Uh, he's the Democratic Caucus Chair in the Senate uh, and the founder of the 1921 Centennial Commission and the membership chair of the 100 Black Men of Tulsa Mentoring Organization. So welcome. And Mariana Adams is the executive director of Progress OKC, a nonprofit created to support and revitalize Oklahoma City uh, communities and preserve the social and economic fabric of underserved neighborhoods. Uh, Progress OKC forms public-private partnerships to target local investment effectively. We welcome you. We have uh, Charity Marcus with us, a uh, member of the Governor's Minority Business Council. She's the founder and CEO of Avenue Consulting and Avenue PR, a business and entrepreneurship uh, consulting, and she co-founded uh, Black Women Business Owners of America, uh, which helps black women entrepreneurs, business owners, and founders with resources and connections needed to be successful. Thank you. Welcome. And we also have uh, Wes Mitchell. Uh, Wes founded a technology consulting firm in Tulsa after 35 years uh, with Hewlett Packard. Uh, he is the current vice chair of the Tulsa Community College Board of Regents, and he's also a member of the Governor's uh, Minority Business Council. So welcome to all of you. Thank you for uh, being here today. So each one of you uh, come to this important conversation from different perspectives uh, and there are different ways uh, you are working to support and develop black businesses in Oklahoma. So to get us started, I'd like to ask each of you, 
uh, to begin by sharing a little bit of your story and the underlying problems and challenges you see and that we need to address. And, and we'll start with you, uh, Rose. Governor, thank you. Uh, thanks for hosting us and for seeing the value in this conversation that honestly is, is quite past due, especially at the level of office that you hold. So we appreciate your heart and your willingness to start the dialogue. Uh, so I am, uh, I'm with Tulsa Economic Development Corporation, and honestly, my, my beginnings go back to rural Mississippi. Uh, I'm a graduate of Mississippi State uh, University, majored in banking and finance, went into banking after college, after grad school, went to work at a historically black university uh, to help business students move from uh, college to career and uh, later moved to Los Angeles, worked in the community and government relations at the University of Southern California, and then found my way to Tulsa where uh, I help provide progressive lending to promising businesses that are starting and growing. And one of my, our priorities is helping uh, African American and other minority businesses gain access to capital. And so one of the biggest challenges that we, we see is the fact that uh, accessing capital and you as a, a banker um, or founder of a mortgage company in the bank understand this, you cannot start a business without money. And there are many reasons uh, communities of color don't have access to capital. And that story, the, the conversation could go on and on, but in my, in my mind and in my heart, uh, the lack of legacy or the destruction of legacy affects uh, the ability for many uh, African Americans to start and grow businesses, and those that have a desire to uh, need access to capital, uh, education, apprenticeship, training, uh, and then procurement opportunities to help those businesses thrive. Thank you. Senator Matthews? I also want to thank you, Governor, for convening this panel and being open uh, to people of color and no matter our political party, no matter uh, where we come from, thank you for having us. I um, worked on the fire department for 25 years as administrative fire chief, and as you may know, many firefighters are entrepreneurs with all the days that they have off. And uh, so when I retired in 2010, prior to that, in 2008, for the last 12 years, I started the Entrepreneur Shadow Program, of which Charity Marcus wrote the outline for, for us to get young children, when they're out of school, unsupervised, most prone to gang violence and teen pregnancy, and a little stipends so that they go with business owners to learn to own businesses. We could solve a lot of things by giving these young people internships and opportunities to be exposed. Many of them don't have parents, excuse me, like we did back in Black Wall Street in 1921, where many, many uh, black people own businesses in North Tulsa. That's not the case. And so we started that program to give them that exposure. I also had a franchise, the Ronnie Deutsch Tax Centers, of which Rose funded through TEDC. And we were able to pay off that loan in half the time. And then uh, even after that business closed, when the national franchise closed down, I also had uh, a business interest in the dry cleaner franchise at 61st in Memorial in Tulsa. And so um, I've, I've had several major businesses. Kevin's Cleaners, 118 North Greenwood was a business of mine. And so 
I have a keen interest in African Americans having business opportunities that create self-sufficiency and create jobs. Thank you. Thank you for having this important conversation. Um, again, my name is Mariana Adams. I am a person of faith. Uh, I'm a wife. Um, I'm a mother. I'm a black woman who's fortunate to own a business as well as be a, a servant leader in Oklahoma City. Uh, for Progress OKC, we find that uh, it is important to invest in people and places. Um, and so we invest, reinvest in, in neighborhoods and businesses and communities where growth and wellness are best suited to take place. Um, and some of the challenges that we have seen um, are from a, from a community perspective, we have uh, individuals that are wanting to create ecosystems, infrastructures for small businesses, medium businesses to go back into these uh, underserved, historically disinvested communities. But they have trouble. Um, I think about a project in particular that was a, a white man that was very experienced in urban planning and development and making these projects happen, but he ran into so many hurdles with trying to do it in a quadrant of the city. And so when you have that historical context and again, the legacy of not being able to, to open businesses, um, not being able to access capital, not being able to create the ecosystem in which businesses can start, they can sustain, and then they can grow. Uh, what happens is those, those neighborhoods are deprived of the amenities and services they so desperately need. And as a result of that, grocery stores close, businesses close. And so there's this ripple effect. And our goal is, is that we want, no matter what your zip code is, for you to experience urban happiness, right? And we know that that is directly tied to wellness and economic opportunity. And for many people, especially communities of color, they haven't had the access to the social capital or financial capital to achieve that, nor have those who are wanting to move into those communities been able to. And so when we think about COVID-19, for example, and, and the disproportionate effect that it has had on African-American businesses, you think 3.3 million uh, businesses were impacted by that, 22% were closed. But when you look at African-Americans, there's a disproportionate effect where 41% of businesses, African-American businesses, were disrupted and closed between just February and April 2020. Mm. And I want to make sure that we say businesses, like any community, I, I've been fortunate to work at the local level, the state level, and work with federal entities on piloting initiatives around health and wellness and economic opportunity. I've traveled this beautiful state. No community is the same. No business is the same. But when we're seeing those disparities, we have to figure out how we can create new pathways to opportunities for not only that individual to thrive, but the communities in which they serve and are located to thrive as well. Excellent. Thank you, Governor, for having us. Um, I am a transplant turned Okie. Um, I graduated from Bixby High School, uh, went to TU, left TU and worked. And then I started my entrepreneurship journey in 2009 um, when I founded my first event planning company um, and have been on an entrepreneurship journey ever since then. Uh, one of the things that I noticed even moving back here after being gone for a while was that whenever I was in spaces, I was always the only black woman entrepreneur in those spaces. Um, and that's what led um, my business partner and I to found Black Women Business Owners of America because like me, she was always the only black woman entrepreneur in spaces. 
And it really um, was eye-opening to see how many black-owned businesses do not have access to the spaces and to the rooms that are um, important to that social capital that Mariana just spoke about, that which leads to having the financial capital to operate and run and have successful businesses. Um, and then also, um, that's part of the work that I'm excited about doing on the Governor's Minority Business Council and having a council that focuses on minority businesses and how to break down those barriers socially, financially, and um, in the government as well. Thank you again, Governor, for having us and thank you for the first Minority Business Council that I've known of since I've been here 15 years. Uh, another important step in starting the dialogue. I like to start at the beginning to give some context on my perspectives, and I was born in Jacksonville, Florida, in the Negro Hospital in Jacksonville. I'm the third generation college educated, but I'm the first generation that had a hospital available to them. So we moved to DC where I grew up, um, went to school, went to the historically black college and university, Howard University, um, and my career took me through Miami, Florida, Charlotte, North Carolina, and here 15 years ago to run the data center for, um, that was formerly Sabre Incorporated. And, and I say all that just to paint a little context about the view that I have and having my foot in two places. Um, when I moved to Charlotte, I had probably had one of the largest jobs in the city. And again, when I go to the chamber, I was the only black in the chamber. Now my foot was one foot in, in that old legacy and one foot in the new. So I, I was provided some opportunities, but I think Senator Matthews summed it up. There needs to be investment in social capital as well as financial capital in the underserved neighborhoods because once they can thrive, um, a lot of the problems go away. I'm very passionate about my participation on the Board of Regents for Tulsa Community College where our mission is everybody belongs here. We want to make sure that people get certificates to earn a livable wage or transfer to a four-year school to, to, to get further their education. But I think education is one of the keys to, to success. But if you don't have anywhere to reach for, education becomes um, not that important to you. Well, Mariana, I loved what you said about uh, urban wellness. And, and as a business owner myself and a person that started my company, entrepreneurship is so hard in the first place. I mean, as far as being in the beginning, it's all about cash flow and hiring somebody. And so the access to capital, I understand very well and be able to make sure that we, we have that access to capital as an entrepreneur. But the, the social capital and the things that you're talking about, I'd like to learn more about as well. Um, so this question is for, for you, Rose. You know, as we were getting ready for this conversation, uh, you know, one of the things you shared is that there are fewer black businesses and those that start fail at a greater rate. Black businesses and entrepreneurs lead their companies in a more challenging um, operating environment. Uh, you know, can you talk about that environment and the state of where black businesses are right now in, in the state of Oklahoma specifically, that's what we're talking about, but you can talk about nationally as well. And Governor, I'm not, I'm not a researcher, so I'll share with you my perspective on, on this uh, and not what has been studied. Uh, but I, I will tell you that uh, there's an entrepreneur in all of us, and some of us are, are more confident and able to just push through 
and make dreams a reality. And so the social capital that Mariana spoke of and the ability to engage with other people who are like you, who have had successes uh, starting a business and growing a business are all very important. It's lonely at the top and it is very nice uh, to have others you can share your concerns with and get great feedback. I will say this too, my, my grandmother, my namesake Rosie Washington, raised me and she, um, in my mind, had a sharecropping business. She didn't realize that's what it was, but in effect, she had a, share, a sharecropping business and her 12 children were her employees. She had a day job in town uh, as a domestic, but she owed the plantation owner nothing at the end of harvest because she had paid her bills along the way. And I just realized and recognized that my grandmother, who uh, had a third grade education, probably the equivalent of pre-K in today's uh, market, um, couldn't read, couldn't write, but could count money, and she was an entrepreneur. And so I think that there are so many challenges, and, and a lot of times we repeat the behavior that we witness. And so when uh, many of our kids sit at the dinner table with us and, and other families of, of color and African-American families, if we sit down, we're not talking about what happened in dad's business today. We're not talking about how successful uh, the salespeople were who brought additional business to our business. We're talking about other issues. We're talking about how to protect yourself when you're out uh, in public and how to behave and how to act. And so if you don't hear about the potential of business ownership and of entrepreneurship, you don't think about it. Uh, and so it is very important that our kids have access to education so they understand the opportunities in entrepreneurship. I think uh, based on the work that we do at TEDC, just looking at the disparities in the applications that we get from African Americans uh, who are trying to start or grow a business, uh, they're behind before they start because just as you would, Governor, when you're looking at considering a mortgage to someone or a bank loan, there are things you're gonna look at and the first is that personal financial statement. So if I don't have cash on my financial statement in order to inject capital into my business, you're likely not going to give money. Uh, if I don't have net worth because I don't have a home that has built, uh, has grown in, in terms of its value so that I have equity, I don't have collateral necessarily for my loan. And so we start behind the eight ball and uh, I think it's very common. If you don't have a business as a legacy business in your family, and I, I think research does show this, you uh, don't think about entrepreneurship, and if you start a business, it is very difficult to succeed. And so across the board, I see lower credit scores uh, from African Americans. I see lower net worth. Uh, I see um, uh, less experience, uh, less leadership. And all of those are things that can be overcome through the right types of program, as I said before, education, the training, uh, the apprenticeships, uh, the access to capital, and that is flexible and generous capital, and then procurement opportunities for minority businesses. And all of those now are lagging, and we need to be 
uh, intentional about how we create those programs to create sustainability for those people who want to start and grow a business. Thank you. Excellent. Does anybody have another follow-up comment? Yes. And, and on top of that, another issue, too, that Black-owned businesses face um, and being able to sustain is that when people see that they are Black-owned businesses, people assume that they're only for Black-owned consumers. Um, and we need to change that mindset that just because yeah. we are Black-owned businesses does not mean that we only cater to our own demographic. Um, we, we all have businesses out here that can cater to any and everybody. And, um, and so we need to start tearing down that narrative and saying, you know what, this Black-owned business is not just for Black Americans, it's for any American or international, it doesn't matter. Our, our businesses are open to everyone. Well, Governor, I also want to talk to you about another problem in underserved communities, particularly in North Tulsa, where at one time people lived 14 years less than other people in the city, and now at 11, where we have Oklahoma State University and Langston University, both land-grant universities that are agricultural schools, but both have entrepreneurship programs. Mm. OSU has entrepreneurship bachelor's degree and and Langston has an entrepreneurship master's degree. And it's been said uh, that unhealthy children can't learn and unhealthy adults can't earn. And that food insecurity issue, I would like, I passed, had Senate Bill 749 passed where we created a revolving fund to eradicate food deserts. And the opportunity for those two universities to work together to not only teach young people about food insecurity, but to have the opportunity to develop a way for black people to own their own grocery store ultimately. Mm. And so I would challenge you to help me to bring those universities together to solve that problem because North Tulsa used to have 31 grocery stores and now zero black owned stores. And that's mm. something that would make a difference. It would create jobs, it would create opportunities. And it would, uh, I, I think, go a long way to eradicating food deserts and terrible health outcomes. Absolutely. We'll do it. We'll work on that. Um, Mariana, um, we've been talking about black enterprise and entrepreneurships in uh, various markets and industries, but businesses also grow in the context of the communities where they operate. Uh, you work specifically in communities where there's been a significant deinvestment. What are the needs and challenges we need to be aware of to better support uh, underserved communities? That's a really good question. So um, along the lines of context, I think it's important to discuss how we got here, where we are, and, and how we can move forward. And so when we talk about um, the, the representation of, of black businesses within certain industries and the under-representation of of us, uh, of black business owners in certain industries, and the need um, for, for financial capital, social capital, et cetera, the things that we previously discussed, we have to talk about wealth gap and, and why there is a wealth gap and how you do need you know, wealth um, and, and the legacy of wealth, right, um, to, to enter into certain industries. And so when we think about um, Oklahoma, and, and with this conversation, it's been important nationally and the previously the previous conversation that you've had what we've recognized is there's no city or state that ha doesn't have scars 
of injustice and inequality. And so when we think about the historical context of what led us here is the exclusion of black people and their families to programs that would have helped them accelerate wealth or access wealth, um, or even this disruption of wealth through urban renewal and things like that. And so when that happens, it not only impacts the folks that were there, it impacts the generations to come. And we're seeing that. We see that in North Tulsa, we see that in Northeast Oklahoma City. And so because of that, there are contemporary challenges. So high rates of poverty, unemployment, um, again, uh, businesses that are, are closing or unable to succeed or thrive in that community and serve that community. And we know that businesses are the backbone of our local economy. And so, you know, one thing, there are many challenges, but there are also many opportunities um, for us to create you know, pathways for black businesses, those that are aspiring to be entrepreneurs, to enter into industries, let's talk about technology, for example, where they can accelerate wealth, right? Um, so we're not only in the service industries, but we're in a wide variety of industries um, that have us, that put us in a position to where we can build wealth and build it fast and pass that on to the generation to come and thereby improve and strengthen the social and economic fabric in which where our family lives um, or our business is located. For Northeast Oklahoma City in particular, um, we have had a lot of, when businesses leave, people leave because they don't, they don't have the amenities and services that so many of us take for granted. And, and that's not only with businesses, but healthcare and education and et cetera and so forth. And so people are left, um, the people that are left there are, are left with fewer opportunities, a fewer job opportunities, um, and few opportunities to be well. And so it has this compounding effect that I know for the city of Oklahoma City, we're looking at and we're trying to figure out how we can address that through some very intentional program. We know that you know, how we got here, how all of us got here looked differently, and how we're gonna get out of this looks differently. And so we have to create programs and initiatives that are specifically geared towards those underserved communities that address small business, entrepreneurship, affordable housing, um, workforce, because all of those things are intersected and they're all connected. Excellent, thank you. So, Governor, can I piggyback sure. on that? So, uh, Senator Matthews talked about food deserts and um, programs in that regard. Um, Mariana talked a bit about um, the, it, what I heard is the lack of legacy businesses that are passed on. And so, uh, you mentioned that Senator Matthews is the, uh, the founder of the Race Massacre Commission that is working uh, to uh, commemorate the centennial next year. And TEDC is also working on annihilating food deserts in, in North Tulsa. Uh, namely, next week we're going to break ground or announce the groundbreaking on a, a new store in North Tulsa. And as I thought back through um, how to get that done and how to partner with community to get it done, I thought, why is it so hard? And then I thought back to 1921 and the records that I've read that reflect that there were 20, 30 corner stores that were destroyed um, um, not longer than 100 year, uh, 99 years ago today. And we don't know how many of those stores had the potential of becoming a Walmart because they were never passed down from generation to generation. So I think the potential that we had and that we have 
is untapped and we have to work hard to eliminate the disparity and create the, the opportunities, those pathways that Mariana mentioned, so that we empower people of color, African-Americans who want to be in business to go into business. Is it, is it entrepreneurship? Is it education? What, what is it that we can get that next generation to step up uh, in the entrepreneurship? I, I think it's all of the above. Now, I told you that I grew up in rural Mississippi. What I didn't say is that I went to uh, a county high school, which was probably the second poorest county in the, in the nation at that time. But I was able to take accounting one and two in business law. And just having access and exposure to those classes gave me an idea of what I wanted to be when I grew up. Yeah. Uh, and, and I stayed on the path of business. Now, I did not become an entrepreneur. I do run a corporation right now. Uh, but I had the exposure to it. And we have to give more of our children that kind of exposure to opt in versus being left out. Sure. Well, I was, when I was in the House of Representatives, R.C. Pruitt was in the House with me, and he is a big-time grocer on three major grocery stores. And when I was talking to him about the problem, as she said, if we had partnerships and work with you and the Chamber and other leaders to partner people interested to teach how, to, how that happens, we don't have black grocers today to mentor other people that want to go into that business. That's why I was saying, uh, the entrepreneurial schools, the leaders in that area, and major corporations being willing to at least trust and work with individuals to have maybe a satellite grocery store that they mentor uh, persons in that community to learn to own. Mm, excellent. And, and also in terms of the um, wealth gap, we can't talk about this conversation of entrepreneurship without the wealth gap. The McKinsey Company, um, they did a report and it said that because of the wealth gap disparity that we are, um, as a country, our country is losing one to $1.5 trillion, which is about four to 6% GDP because of this deafening wealth gap. And one of the ways that we can, to minimize that wealth gap is through entrepreneurship into communities. Um, our tagline for Black Women Business Owners of America is equity in entrepreneurship. So when you take the time as a state and as cities to, to partner with, as Senator Matthews has said, and has, as Rose has said, to partner with um, potential black entrepreneurs to grow their businesses, then you're talking about, it's a ripple effect. You're talking about growing their income, increasing their family wealth, which then increases our state revenues, which then increases our national revenues, and we are having a better economy. And so as we're looking at that, at these issues and these disparities, it's not, this disparity does not just affect black Americans, it's affecting our whole entire country. Yeah. Well, Wes, uh, I want to turn to you for a second. You, you come uh, at this conversation spending 35 years in corporate America. Um, you know, specifically with the tech industry, I think Hewlett Packard is where you were at for 35 years. Uh, so what challenges have you seen and what advice would you share to the next generation of African Americans about working uh, in this important, uh, thriving tech industry? 
Governor, I was fortunate to work in the industry, and the tech industry was talent-based. And it still is for the most point part. It's not as divided as a lot of other businesses. So if you are talented and you can code, they really don't care what you look like. So I think the opportunity there is, that's a, with the proper education, it goes back to education, it goes back to food, <laughs> it goes back to the whole cycle. But as, as you go into a field, and Rick Bennett, who's one of my board members at Junior Achievement, talks about the social capital and says that you can't expect a child to succeed when they think the horizon is the top of the ditch that they're standing in. Hmm. So, very powerful statement, but that goes to the social capital and how do we educate and how do we put opportunities, satellite um, coding opportunities in the city um, STEM is unfortunately very, very, very important and it will become more important. But I was working with the um, STEM lab the other day and they have a hidden figures program where they have women mentoring school-age kids, girls, whose truancy exceeded the normal rate. And if you know, if you think about truancy, if I'm not doing good, I'm not going to school. And by mentoring these girls in math, not only did their math scores come up, but their truancy went down. So it's about investing in social and financial capital. And, and to Charity's point, a black business is not a black business. You going to take the action step to go to a black business and say, hey, I'm here to do business, sets a major tone. But I think. Education is a key in technology field, but it's a huge opportunity. Well, you said something there. I mean, I, I'd say it a different way. I mean, without hope uh, and without a vision, people perish. And so we've got to provide hope to that next generation. And that's examples in, uh, in business and as entrepreneurs and letting those young people uh, all across Oklahoma see what's possible because I believe you can do anything you set your mind to and we've got to get that hope into that next generation of all Oklahomans. Thank you for listening to The Leaders We Need with Joel Harder, a podcast from Oklahoma Capital Culture. Oklahoma Capital Culture is a nonprofit organization shaping a culture of civility, integrity, and servant leadership among policymakers through non-political and non-partisan engagement. Learn more about Oklahoma Capital Culture and how you can help shape the leadership culture at www.capitalculture.com. Original music heard on The Leaders We Need provided by Scott Allen Matthews at mypodcastmusic.com.